guys, it's your girl Mariana. I'm back with episode 6. Um, I'm glad you're listening in. Today I'm going to do something a little different. That way you could understand, well, my listeners could understand how I got inspired to do this podcast on mental health awareness and the group page that I have on Facebook. Um, I'm going to just start off with where it began. So on October 5th or 6th of 2021, I attempted suicide and I was almost successful. Well, I almost succeeded, which was really scary. But let me tell you how it started and how it came about and where I am today of course and it's changed me so much but for the better so I had been feeling kind of helpless and hopeless and I just I felt like life was just passing me by like a movie and I was just there not really progressing I mean I had a job I was taking care of my daughter, but I didn't feel like I had a purpose in life. Like, what was my purpose? So, I had episodes of just secluding myself, not wanting to be around other people. I thought it was me just being an introvert. But, no, I was depressed and I had anxiety. And since I had worked through the whole pandemic... Um, a lot of my patients started dying. If you know me personally, you know that I do field supervisor work, which is um, I do home visits for the elderly. And so when the pandemic hit, a lot of them started dying. So it took a toll on my mental health really bad. So I think that's where it all kind of generated from. And not having the best childhood could have also um, had a factor in that. But I'm an adult now and I take it as a learning experience. And now I have a daughter and I'm so glad she has a better upbringing than me. Like a way better one. She's all bougie. (laughs) So around, I'm going to say September... I seeked out help and I seeked out a psychiatrist and a therapist and I was super completely honest with my psychiatrist and I told him how I was feeling and I just let it all out. So he went ahead and gave gave me a few diagnoses which are, which were, I'll get into that a little bit later, why I say it in past tense but he diagnosed me with major depressive disorder anxiety generalized anxiety like I would go to HEB stay in my car think about it think about it some more I would have to muster up the courage to go inside I'd get my cart and then I felt like everybody was looking at me but It was just all in my head. So I would just leave the cart there, get in my car and go back home. Like I didn't even grocery shop. 
that's generalized anxiety and i also had panic attacks uh i know i one time i went to the er and i experienced my first panic attack it felt like i was having a heart attack i couldn't breathe i couldn't talk i couldn't walk i couldn't think i was like what is going on and finally they checked me out they hooked me up to all these machines and then they finally figured out i was just having a really bad episode of a panic attack so i was diagnosed with that too i'm also diagnosed with ptsd for those of you that don't know the acronym it's post-traumatic stress disorder and that i believe comes from my childhood trauma which is um growing up in a troubled home um alcoholic mother absent father due to being murdered i never really got to meet him so i was a couple of months old well a couple of months born and he was gonna come put me his last name but he never made it to me he was shot 27 times and so i never got to meet him i don't even know what he looks like to tell you the truth so when i got the help he prescribed me and him i mean the psychiatrist he prescribed me with depressive medication anxiety medication um at the time uh he also gave me something for insomnia which i was also diagnosed with and um what else and something for anxiety so i was taking four medications and the first month they i don't know if you know this but there are some bad side effects like you know how when you see those commercials and they tell you oh it's good for this and this and this and then really fast they tell you all the bad things that can happen blood clots um, may cause death or um, blood in your store whatever but they say it really fast so that it doesn't scare you well when i started taking these medications i started feeling worse than before like i started having suicidal thoughts i started feeling i was already sad but i felt like more sad i felt helpless I felt this like despair in my heart, like something like a death, like it felt like somebody that I loved died. That's how painful the depression was. And it was just this endless cycle of not being able to sleep. I started developing um, not being able to go to the restroom, hemorrhoids, um, just different things i felt like i was numb and i felt like a zombie i remember one time i picked up my mom from work and she had had a hard day and she was crying and i was trying to sympathize with her and in my head i was telling myself like put your hand on her lap and tell her everything's gonna be okay 
but I was so medicated that I couldn't sympathize with her. Like in my head, I knew what I needed to do to comfort her, but I couldn't, I couldn't even move. Like I was just numb like a zombie. And it was like, that's when I realized like, whoa, you're overly medicated it was a horrible feeling like I didn't feel sadness but I didn't feel happiness I didn't feel anything and it felt crazy crazier than feeling the sadness alone so I was able to tell my ther my psychologist about it and he said give it one more month that's how long it takes for it to get in your system and the symptoms will go away slowly on their own. Well, so I waited another month and some of them did go away. But while I was taking them like they were supposed to be prescribed like three times a day. Um, it, I wasn't feeling any better. I don't remember feeling any better. I'm one of those that cries with commercials and like I would watch a show or a comedy show. I didn't think it was funny, but it was funny. I remember it was funny, but I just didn't, I couldn't laugh or feel joy or feel anything at all. So I was like, something's, I'm, something's wrong. Like this is not normal. So then after that um some little mishap happened with the pharmacy and they stopped sending me my medication and i said well i live in the hood so they might have just confused it with like an ipsy bag and must have stolen it or something so that was week one and I waited another week and I was like, well, let me ask my mom since she's my neighbor for those of you that know me. And if you don't know me, well, now you know. And sometimes she checks my mail and will drop it off or have it at her house and I'll go pick it up. But I asked her if some if my medication had come in and she had said no. So I was like, okay, well, maybe next week it'll come so it's the third week i've been without medication for three weeks and all of a sudden i just spiraled out of control out of control i mean by doing things that i don't normally do like let's say um like i was I regress to like a teenager, like rebelling and doing things that I hadn't done in years. Um, and I was like, like I remember flashes of it, but not completely. And I was just to myself. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I felt like I had nobody to talk to. Nobody understood me. Everybody just said, you're fine. You're fine. Um, you'll get over it. Or 
like it's just such a stigma and that's why I decided to try to end that stigma that mental health is something real and I believe that we should talk about it more often and not be ashamed to do so so when I spiraled out of control I attempted suicide and I was almost successful so on day three of taking over 60 to 70 pills of Tylenol and iron pills I went into I told my family like I'm not feeling well like I feel kind of off I feel tired fatigued and I was laying on my bed and I could see my little girl playing and like I didn't have any energy to laugh or anything so I knew something was wrong and I have a stethoscope so I checked my heartbeat and it was fine and I checked my temperature and it was fine and I checked my BPs and they were fine so I said you know what let me just go to the hospital to the ER and see what's going on so I went into the hospital I told him what was going on and what I had done three days prior and so they checked my blood they checked my urine and I waited and I waited and I didn't feel good at all so when they came in it wasn't just a nurse it was a doctor a renal doctor uh, if you don't know what a renal doctor is he's a kidney specialist so they sat me down and they basically told me you are dying your organs are shutting down which was my kidneys and my liver the Tylenol had metabolized into poison and was attacking them and had done sufficient sufficient <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying that right amount of damage so from the ER they shot me straight up to the ICU they inserted the dial a Quentin which is for dialysis onto the inner thigh of my right leg I just remember little flashes of being in there I don't remember fully they put a telly which monitored my heart because my heart was beating at a 45 and I believe a normal human at its resting point beats between 60 to 90 and I was beating way below that so after that they inserted that and usually people get regular IVs like the little ones no they had to do an IOG I believe and that one think of like a pen that's how big the needle was and they put it on my left forearm but a little closer to my armpit which was huge but I didn't feel it I was in and out um I know they had given me a little bit of morphine because um 
I was in pain. I wouldn't stop throwing up. I think I threw up for about three days. And they were going to go ahead and put me on a feeding tube. But I was like, no, I don't want to be on a feeding tube. Because then, how, like, they were going to insert it through my nose. And it was going to feed me because I couldn't stop throwing up. But I asked and I told my doctor if he could just give me a jello and I would try to keep it down and I did so they weren't they didn't insert it which I'm grateful for because I'm sure that would have been so painful so week one I believe was the hardest for me because when I went in I went in with my enzymes of my liver shot to hell like I had damaged it so bad that it just was not working and my kidneys were shut down completely and so what your kidneys do it filters out salt and anything bad that goes into your body and also water so if that's not working, you can get um, water retention, which is not good. So I was taken to the second floor and there I had a big scare. I had the Quintin, which is the dialysis which they clip an artery and you're supposed to be careful because if you mess with that, you're dead. That's a main artery going straight to your heart. So it started bleeding and I started freaking out. And so did the nurse that worked on me, but they were able to go to the e like downstairs to the ER and get, um, I believe they're quick clots. And they were able to stop the bleeding. I was so scared. I was like, no, I don't want to go like this. So it was pretty traumatic the first few days. And as I spoke to the specialist, he was telling me that I was probably going to need an organ donor. Do you know how long organ lists are? And I'm not even a priority. So at that point, I was terrified. I was like, where would I get a kidney from? I'm not Selena Gomez, right? So after that, they took me to my own room. And every day, the specialist would come in and talk to me and let me know what was going on. But it was never good news. It was nothing's moving the numbers are the same and so I remember thinking to myself while I was in my room I think this is it I think this is where I'm gonna have to say goodbye to my family so I started calling them and I text some of them and I just cried as I text them I told them, basically, I apologized for being bitter and withdrawn and not appreciative of them 
and not telling them I love you enough. And I told them, I might not get out of here, but if I get a second chance, I promise to tell you I love you and I appreciate you every single day if God gives me a second chance. And also, in one of those nights that I was speaking to God, I let him know if he just gave me a second chance that I would change my attitude towards life, be more appreciative of my organs, my health, every morning when I wake up and open my eyes to be grateful for it, and just love my family. That's my family like I love them and I was just so bitter towards them and so I told each and every one of them goodbye and that I wasn't gonna make it I wasn't gonna get out I was probably gonna have to make funeral arrangements um because I wasn't gonna get a donor so I promised God also that if I got a second chance, I would try to make a difference. Because they tell you, if you want to make a difference in life, start with yourself. So that's when, as soon, later, later, when I got out, I started the podcast. And then I started the group page on Facebook which now has about 1k followers and I have a few here on this podcast since it's barely new so week one was difficult I cried I didn't know what to do I was like I'm not done with life what is my daughter gonna do without me I was scared I was so so scared I was regretful. Um, I would talk to myself and I would just say, why? Like, I know I have it hard, but other people have it harder. Um, I just wanted a second chance. So on a Friday, they did a dialysis and they were gonna see if it was working because I had already done two sessions and they did not help. So they were gonna do one more on a Friday. And what the last thing the specialist told me was, if it doesn't improve, we're gonna take a biopsy of your liver and we're gonna see what's really going on. So on Monday, this is a miracle, you guys. On Monday, the specialist came in and said, your numbers are improving, not quickly, but they're healing and your liver's regenerating itself. And my heart dropped to my stomach. I said, God heard my prayers. He's going to give me a second chance. That's when I knew. I knew I was going to get out of there 
alive and I was going to be able to tell my family that I love them just like I promised God and I promised them. And um, they kept me there for another week for observation to get my levels back to normal. And so I was fighting for my life, y'all. I put myself in that position, but sometimes when you're feeling helpless and hopeless and like no one understands you, you forget about everything else and that's all you feel. You feel the hurt, the pain, the despair, the no one understands me. And it's hard because I thought I was alone. But after this experience or that experience, I became closer to my mom and my brother. I make sure that I tell them that I love them every day. And my daughter, I make sure I give her a kiss. And anytime I speak to one of my family members, I make sure that I tell them that I love them. And I appreciate them. And so that's why I created this podcast to end the stigma of mental health. It's nothing to be ashamed of. A lot of Americans, well, a lot of people in the world deal with it. But don't speak about it because there's a stigma behind it. But I want to put an end to that. And if I can do a little bit of my part and help or reach out to at least one or two people, I think I did my part. And that makes my heart happy. So now I did a whole 360, y'all. Like, I'm more kind I give compliments. I try to stay involved in just being positive. You'll see me on Facebook if you have me there or just on Snapchat or any social media that I can um, pass on positivity. Even if I'm going through the worst day ever, like... I won't let you see it, but um, because I want you to know that you are appreciated and you matter and you are loved and I am all those things and it took making a mistake to realize it for me, but I'm so grateful for the experience, even though it was traumatic and it was hard on my family and myself. But now I see it as a positive and I just want to reach out. And I want people to reach out to me and tell me their stories. And I'm just here to listen. If you ever want to shoot me a text or leave comments on Spotify, I know you can do that. So guys, I love y'all. If you listen to my podcast, um, I appreciate you guys. 
um, if you have any questions or anything or if you're ever in self-doubt that you're not loved or that you don't matter or any doubt, just come ask me and I'll remind you for sure that you do matter and that you are loved and that everyone goes through problems like just like the good times don't last forever the bad times don't last forever they come they go it's a wavelength so in saying that i'm going to end this episode with i love you guys i appreciate you all and if you need to contact me i'm just a phone call away or a text away and that's it guys i'll see you in episode seven thank you bye